Welcome to episode 30 of How About Them Huskies. I'm Connor, joined with Matt and Andrew. It's not Matt, it's Darren Haynes. How are you doing today? Going on, you guys. So Darren's here replacing Matt for an episode as we're previewing the Viggies tournament coming up this week at Madison Square Garden. Should be a very, very fun week of games. A lot of, lot of close games we expect, a lot of close games all year in the Big East. And I think today we're just going to get right into it. We're just going to preview each game. I'm going to try. First time we're doing screen sharing on this podcast. If you're watching on the YouTube, see how that goes. I'm going to put up the bracket. We're going to discuss the game. See, we're just going to pick a winner pretty much. See we think is going to win the Big East tournament. So let's see. Can you guys confirm you see that? Yeah. Yep. We... All right, cool. So we'll start with the first game, the 8-9 game. St. John's and Butler, two teams that I personally thought would be a little better this year. Two teams that returned some talent, got some solid transfers, but they found themselves in the eight, nine game. So I'll, I'll open the floor for you guys. What do you think is going to go down in this one? Who you guys got? I mean, I'll, I'll go quickly first. I'm going to, even though I, I, you know, Butler's a quality team, the way St. John's has sort of been playing as of late. Um, and especially it's at Madison square garden, which is basically home court for them. Um, you know, St. John's is also a team that like played UConn and, and they made it pretty close down the end. So they're and they, I think they recently did the same thing just in their last game. Um, so I'm gonna go St. John's over Butler. I'm gonna go with St. John's as well. Uh, I mean, they're such a streaky team this year that I mean, they're, they're kind of hard to pick here. I had an eight against Butler, but I mean, they've beaten some high quality teams. They've beaten us this year. Uh, which, you know, they, they they beat us fair and square. We didn't have anyone out anyways. They came in and they kind of just bullied us around. Uh, me and Connor were actually there at the XL Center. It was quite a, a sight to behold. Everyone was mad at Danny Hurley uh, for that one. Uh, I didn't really believe, so I wasn't so mad at him. But, I mean, St. John's, they're, they're a tough group of guys, and I, I think they I think they make easy work of Butler. I'm going to go with St. John's too. Yeah, I mean, as much as people, especially UConn fans, joked about that last game at MSG being like 80-20 or 70-30 with the UConn fans, I mean – the thing with this conference is the road games are probably the toughest thing to play. I'd say they're the toughest road games in all of college basketball. But a team like St. John's, who just played Marquette yesterday, it'll be two days ago by the time you're seeing this. But, I mean, didn't you guys watch that game, how they came back and yeah. they really gave Shaka Smart a heart attack there? And Marquette was able to be uh, able to pull away with that one due to a missed free throw. But, I mean, a team like St. John's can easily catch fire because this is a whole – a whole different breed. I mean, regular season doesn't matter now. So I feel like a team like St. John's guy, like Soriano, you go to him all night long and it's going to be bread and butter. So I'd have to pick St. John's here too. And the game I is going to finish. The game's going to slow down. Sorry, Connor. I mean, <laughs> I didn't mean to you cut good, you off you there, but the game's really going to slow down. I feel like uh, for them in the tournament, especially with the dominant bigs that they have. Yeah. Uh, Corbello so- pounding it in. I, I feel like, I feel like St. John's comes away with it. Then the Cor- Corbello's like coming off the bench now, I think, ever since he got in trouble. But like Soriano's that one big like bruiser guy that you know he's going to always gonna be a problem from any team that he faces. Yeah. yeah, and I will finish the quartet here with St. John's. I mean, I have a feeling I said we're going to have a lot of good games. This one might not be. This might be an ugly like first to 60 win types game in the Big East. But I feel like St. John's, like one of you guys mentioned, at MSG, Butler coming from Indy, I feel like they should have no problem taking that game, especially with, like, the players you mentioned. Soriano, I mean, Butler has Manny Bates, a solid transfer, but Soriano, he's probably one of the front runners for Big East, most improved player this year. He, like, leads the country in double-doubles, I believe, or close to it if he doesn't lead. But, yeah, I'll I'll take St. John's, and I'm going to try. 
Phil Didn't Soriano transfer like from Fordham or something? He did, yes. <laughs> yeah, I think he just set a school record for most consecutive double doubles. I'm yeah. not a hundred percent sure, but I, I'm pretty sure he just broke that record. I, I saw it on Instagram and thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, can you guys see the change there? Same change. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. cool. So this should be fine. So I think move on from that game to the second game on Wednesday, Seton Hall versus DePaul. The Pirates just had a huge win at the Amp, just dismantled Providence. And DePaul, I'm, I'm sure you guys remember when they beat Xavier, the top 10 game, like in mid-January, they haven't won since. They've lost 12 yeah, straight. So, I mean, I feel like I know we're all going to go here, but I'll go first. I think Seton Hall takes this pretty easily. I mean, we just saw how well they played without guys like Kadari Richmond, who's arguably their best player. They they beat Providence without him. I mean, they had guys step it up like Davis off the bench and Tyree Samuel, the big man. I feel like Seton Hall should have no problem here. I'll I'll make mine very quick. Uh, DePaul is trash. Um, like the way they're playing right now. We can go to the last time UConn played. I mean, we saw what happened in that particular game. What was it like twenty nine to two? Um, so I think there's there's no problem for Seton Hall moving on in this one. Yeah, Seton Hall is definitely heating up. I feel like the right time getting some, you know, bigger wins uh, later in the season, opposed to earlier in the season. Um, they're a sneaky seven. Uh, I don't think they would make it past Xavier, but I feel like they're definitely going to make it past DePaul here. So I'm going to roll Seton Hall. I mean, at the end of the day, DePaul is just a dumpster fire on how they run their <laughs> offense. I mean, I feel like that's the only way to put it at this point, because I mean, I, I don't know how you go from beating Xavier to being down 51 to 19 at a half. I mean, I, I just don't know how it happens. I mean, they beat Xavier, lost to Georgetown the next game. So, I mean, they're they're inconsistent. And I honestly think I agree with Matt that they're a sneaky seven. I mean, I think Shaheen Holloway isn't going to win coach of the year just because of what Shaka Smart was able to do with Marquette. But he he should be runner up for coach of the year because he's very he's a very good coach. He knows what he's doing with this team that doesn't really have a, a standout star. You know, Kadari's pretty good, but they don't really have a standout star like most of these teams do. Uh, they're just centered by pretty much role players who are able to make the team win. But I've got Seton Hall in this pretty easily. Yeah, and you mentioned dumpster fire, which is a perfect transition to the six eleven game. Georgetown taking on Villanova. The Hoyas will give them some credit. They won a couple games this year in Big East play, but another very, very down year for Patrick Ewing's squad. But don't. Don't forget this team, not this team, but Georgetown a couple of years ago ran the table in the Big East tournament, made the NCAA. Will that happen this year? No. I think Villanova, as, as hot as they've been with Justin Moore returning to the lineup over the past month or so, handles them pretty easily in this one. Yeah, so I have the, the luxury of, of working as the sports anchor down in Washington, D.C., so I see Georgetown all the time. I will give them a little bit of credit that they do sort of hang around in some particular games. Maybe if they're playing like uh, Butler or, or, or maybe Seton Hall, possibly they may have a chance to maybe pull off an upset, but the way Villanova is like you're mentioning with, with Justin Moore, a guy who's actually from the, the, the Maryland DC area coming back from that Achilles injury. Um, obviously uh, uh, some of the other talent that they have Villanova is always, Villanova, the way they're a sixth seed in this tournament, but really, if they had all their weapons throughout the entire season, they probably would have been a three or a two seed. Um, so I, I don't see Georgetown doing anything in this particular game. So I have Villanova moving on. 
Yeah, until Patrick Ewing uh, gets out of there, I don't think anything's going to change at all. Um, you know, you could be, you can go in there, you can be a recruiting guy. He's not that, or, you know, you have the option of being an X's and O's guys and he's not that either. So uh, I feel like until he's gone, we're going to see them in the same place every year, similar situations. Uh, Villanova is going to dog walk them all over MSG and they're going to move on. They're going to play Creighton. I think this has potential to be the most boring game this tournament. I mean, it's two more teams that just run flat offenses. Like you looked at last night, like that offense wasn't even a challenge for UConn. They knew exactly how to defend it. I mean, they just, they're scared to go to the basket. I mean, and it shows, I mean, Villanova, you know, a team that had such high expectations, even after losing Jay Wright really had a down season. I mean, they'll walk right over Georgetown, but I, I, I see a lot of people saying that they're a sneaky a sneaky team who knows like that they can make a run in March. I don't I don't see it this year. I just I think Kyle Neptune is such a different coach than Jay Wright was, and he's just not ready to take a team to the promised land like that. So I've got Villanova in this in this one particular, but not not in the next round for sure. Yeah, and for George, I'm a, I, I, ooh, I, some... I can't wait to get to that round because Andrew, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna go against you, but like, we I'll wait to that <laughs> I'll wait to that next round. Yeah, as I was saying, Actually, Georgetown, we're talking about them. They ooh. have some solid pieces with Primo Spears, Brandon Murray, even a Cook, the former Husky, but it just hasn't gelled for them this year. We're bashing them a little some bit. breaking here. news here real quick that I feel like we really have to say. Uh, Zach Fremantle is having season-ending surgery on Tuesday. So Ooh. if Whoa. that definitely makes this a little different. I mean, I just saw that that tweet from Dave Borges. I feel like we had to put that in here. I mean, that's right. huge. That just happened. Yeah, literally a minute ago, I got that alert. I see. Right. I mean, never crazy. wished for injuries. I mean, that's that's huge, though. Yeah. I saw he was like a game time decision coming into the last <laughs> I guess, game. Clearly, I guess not. Clearly not <laughs> Wait, the case. I guess he was. I guess he was not. <laughs> so I think we'll move on to Thursday now, the quarterfinal round. We had some chalk. The first day, but I wonder if we'll have the same same chalk the second day. We'll start out with the first game at noon. The number one seed Marquette taking on St. John's, as Andrew mentioned, they played a couple days ago. It was a very thrilling game, especially the ending. I didn't catch it live. Once I saw the highlights, I was surprised. Like, what is going on in this game? St. John's hit some crazy threes to get back into it. Unfortunately, couldn't convert at the end of the free throw line to force overtime. But this Marquette team, it's very solid from top to bottom. They have Tyler Kolek, who's probably going to be the Big East player of the year at point guard. They have Oso Iguodaro, who is all Big East. They also have Cam Jones, who's really stepped it up in the scoring department. And even though this game is at MSG, I feel like Marquette should have no problem beating St. John's. But but I feel like it could be closer than some of us think, as you saw on Saturday. Uh, I agree with you on it. It's going to be a close game. I think it kind of dictates the, the way this game will be played will be an example of basically how a lot of these biggies games have been the entire season. Once we get into this quarterfinals, a lot of these games are always going to be tight. And like I mentioned before, you know, St. John's, they, they kind of made it sort of close at the very end against UConn. And we mentioned Marquette and they're in the, the regular season finale, the way St. John's was able to at least make it a tight ball game before eventually losing. Um, I don't see it being as tight as before. I have Marquette winning, but I do think it's going to be a competitive fight in that one. I'm having a really hard time here trying to, you know, justify pick, Marquette making a, a deeper pick run. The, in this. Pick, hey, pick the upset, man. Do it. I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like Saint. Uh, I feel like they had it. You know, they were right there. They were they were tight with them. And I feel like Saint John's is. 
I feel like they're playing angry. Part of me feels like they're going to come out and they're going to bully Marquette, but another part of me feels like that's not that's not plausible here. I don't know. I, I feel like it's going to be tight. I feel like it's not going to be like, oh, St. John's make a miraculous comeback and, and make it a single-digit game and lose. I feel like it, it might be tight throughout within 10 to 15 points the entire night. Um, I feel like Marquette will come away with it, but I – I don't know. I feel like St. John's is sneaky right there. Part of, part of me just, I don't know. I'm going to go with Marquette, but. I'm going to go with Marquette, but just know that I picked St. John's if they win. So. No, go with your gut. <laughs> just pick St. John's, man. Just, just pick I don't them. know. My gut says Marquette, but my that something else says St. John's. I don't know what it is. Listen, Saint... I, I, like, I feel you on this one. Like, if the NCAA tournament was out, Marquette would be one of those teams I feel will be upset early. So I'm yeah. with you on that. Like, just, yeah. just pick them. Right. Let's go with St. John's. Let's do my it. My man. Whatever. St. John's. Yeah. St. <laughs> John's. I mean, that's my argument. This team is inexperienced in tournament play. I mean, they've got really good players, but, I mean, they're just – they're not experienced enough in a tournament. And, you know, maybe maybe the Big East tournament, sure, they'll make it to the semis. But, you know, they're not experienced enough to play in March. I mean, a team like – a team like Connecticut who's lost in the first round when they shouldn't have back-to-back years, that's an experienced team. I mean, even a team like Creighton, they're experienced. But, I mean, that's that's for later in the episode. But the thing with this game is it's going to show who can actually close out a game because Marquette failed to do that yesterday, but then St. John's couldn't even take advantage of it. So this is, this is going to be a weird game, I feel like. I'm going to be there for it. Uh, it's going to be pretty interesting. But I, I'd have to take Marquette just because of – of their their players over St. John's. Really not anything else besides that and the coaching. I mean, I just think Shaka Smart outcoaches Mike Anderson no matter what. I think this is Matt Mike Anderson's last game he'll ever coach for the Red Storm, but I'd have to take Marquette here just because of, like, the difference between them and St. John's. Just they're so much more disciplined than this team. I mean, St. John's runs into trouble all the time, so I'd, I'd have to take Marquette here, honestly. Despite Matt's heroics taking St. John's, we are doing majority rule here, so Marquette <laughs> will move on. And also, a quick side note before we continue. I, I'm looking at – I remember the past couple of years since UConn's been in the Big East tournament. I've watched it a little closer. The 8-9 games, 2021, obviously 2020, the tournament was like canceled midway through because of COVID. But in 21, Georgetown was the eighth seed, and they beat Villanova the one on the way to the title. And then uh, last year, Butler – was the nine seed they beat the eight seed and then they played Providence very close. They almost upset the number one seed Providence. So those one versus eight slash nine games the past couple of years have been very close. And I expect this one to be the same. And now the moment we've most of you have all been waiting for, we're going to go to the four or five game, UConn taking on Providence. Round three, as Ed Cooley said, his Friars are going to be ready. But for this one, I'll let you guys go first and I'll give my give my input. All right, I'll, I'll keep it real, you guys. I, I, bro, I, I don't. I think we had the opportunity to get the three seed, and I think Creighton won uh, yesterday. Well, on Saturday, no, what day was that? Yeah, Saturday. Um, I hate this first round matchup. I can't. I cannot. I. The only reason why is just UConn. I'm older than you guys. UConn just has a history of struggling against Providence, no matter if they're good or they're bad. I hate this first-round matchup. It stinks that they have to play this ranked team in the first round. Um, the Big East obviously is competitive. That's the position that they're in. 
Um, I I have UConn winning. Of course, I'm gonna pick UConn winning. I, I think when UConn plays the way UConn's supposed to play, I think we've seen it the entire season when they when they went 14 and 0. Um, so I have UConn winning because they're playing that way now. But I really hate the fact that we're playing Providence in the first round. That scares me than any. I'd rather play Marquette than Providence right now. I mean, here we are, right? Uh, I feel like this is a long time coming, this game. Uh, it just feels so right to me that we're meeting with these guys in the first round. Um, the guys uh, on uh, UConn have been on a mission recently. Uh, Providence have been in their way on said mission, along with number one Marquette, uh, along with Villanova, along with every other poor soul that's had to match up with us over the past three to four weeks. Um, I don't think it stops now. I don't think it stops in this game. I feel like, I feel like we are, for how fiery our head coach is, I feel like this team has a level of composure now, which won't crack, uh, especially in, in a matchup like this. It's emotional, but you know, we are playing at Madison Square Garden, which to us, it, it's always going to fall in our favor, in my opinion. I mean, Providence isn't far, but that's store south, baby. And I feel like we're going in, and I feel like I don't think Providence will lead. I don't think they'll lead once, and I think UConn wins. This will be the best game of the tournament, and this is why I'm going to the tournament. This is what I really banked on was having UConn and Providence because this is the biggest rivalry in the Big East, and now – you have to think about what what is the only thing that this fan base is talking about right now. Three words, arrogant and spoiled. I'll bet a lot of money that we're going to hear that chanted at Stores South at some point on Thursday because Ed Cooley showed the entire country how, honestly, how soft he is. Um, I mean, saying something like that after your team got absolutely steamrolled and then losing – all the rest of your games after that. I mean, it's momentum tends to carry over in some cases. And I think it will in this case. I mean, UConn's on a roll. Providence is on the opposite of a roll. Um, and this, this is round three. This is what all these fans have been waiting for. I mean, the place is going to be packed to the roof at two 30 on a Thursday, but I've got my Huskies all the way here just because their passion is going to fuel this one. I mean, Providence, it's hard to get the passion to come back, especially at this time. I mean, UConn did it, but they're going to need a lot of passion to play with an angry team like the Huskies, who's underperformed in this tournament in the past couple of years. So I've got I've got my Huskies all the way in this one. That'll be a fun one. Yeah, I have to agree. I think UConn will take it. But Providence, I was at the game, Providence-St. John's at the Garden. There was a decent turnout of Friar fans there, but I feel like we will definitely dominate them for Friar fans for that game for sure. And this is actually a bigger game for Providence than people may seem to think. I mean, I have their net ranking up here. They're 21 and 10. They're 51st in the net. If they lose this one, they're 21 and 11. And what a team we thought would be a lock to make the tournament may actually fall to the bubble. I'm not saying they'll fall out of the tournament, but I wouldn't say a 21 and 11 team that doesn't really have any signature non-conference wins is a lock to make the tournament. So that's another incentive for Providence to really want this one. But I feel like with the way UConn's been playing, they've won, what, seven of eight, eight of nine since the, uh, their slide in, like, January. Mm. And Providence has lost three of four with the only win being against Georgetown. I feel like the momentum is on UConn's side and they move on. It's Providence a tough has, argument, though. 
I'm going to say Providence has kind of followed a little bit of a trend here that we're seeing where timely shots aren't falling, uh, whether it be Marquette, whether it be Providence, whether it be Villanova. Um, the big shots aren't falling. Um, I don't I, I can't see it. I can't see them making it out of this round simply because I don't think that their players are in the in their right mind. I think their coach is he's taking an emotional approach to it. Uh, you can't do that. And we've seen our own coach do that a few times. And we know we see how this story goes. We've we've lived it. We've experienced this. Uh, I feel like it's going to be an ugly run here for Providence. You got to pay attention to details. I mean, a guy like Jared Bynum is more focused on blocking people on Twitter than winning games. I mean, him, Devin Carter, all those guys, they're more they're more focused about blocking people on Twitter than actually winning basketball games. And the argument with Providence falling out of the tournament, I just don't see any way because of the conference that they play in. I mean, they they definitely had a tough a tough stretch at the end, but I mean, we had a tough stretch in the beginning and it, or the middle, and it doesn't mean that we're not going to make the tournament. I think they'll make it as an eight or nine seed. Uh, I don't see the committee not putting Providence in the tournament. There's there's no no way. Wait, you, you, wait, you think Providence won't make the NCAA tournament? No, I think they will. They 100%. Oh, okay. gotcha. I just don't think the argument that they won't make it is valid just oh, because of the record. I mean, you have to look You have to look at things besides the record. I mean, having a, a candidate who made that – he made that – Hopkins made that first team unanimously. Um, I just think that a team having somebody like that and then they don't play in the tournament, that's just ridiculous to think about. And I'm not at all a Providence fan, obviously, but I, I just think that argument that they won't make the tournament is just stupid. They're going to make it. Yeah, I have to agree there. I just saw people where a lot of Providence fans are yeah, I saw it. if they don't, they don't win this game, they may be in trouble. But I think they'll comfortably be in like that 8-9 range, win or lose, honestly. So um, – so, like some of the ways I think about it, and and I don't I don't have an AP poll vote for college basketball, but I do have one for college football. And seeing a, a, a Providence team that's ranked, and if they lose in the first round of the Big East tournament, it's not like they're losing to Georgetown in the first round. They're losing to UConn, which is a quality right. team. So I wouldn't. So me, if I'm looking at it like how I would rank teams, and if you look at strength of schedule, whatever, like prop, even if they do lose, they they'll still get in. Um, no matter what, because of who they lost to. If other, I, for, for me, if other uh, conference tournaments don't go as planned is when things start to look a little bit ugly for Providence because you get some winners who, you know, aren't necessarily expected. You still got to fit some teams in at large. And I don't know. I mean, we got to see, like, if North Carolina comes out and wins the ACC, what do you do? Where, like, I, I don't, I, I, it all depends to me on, you know, bigger upsets later on in conference tournaments and, you know, depending on where they place all of them. I mean, it's a possibility. Do I think it'll happen? No, but that would be sweet. <laughs> yeah, at the end of the day, they'll be fine. They'll be in the tournament barring some extreme circumstance. But the metrics, they've always hated Providence. Last year when they were very good, they were like number one in luck in Ken Palm by a wide margin. I don't even know how they calculate the luck for Ken Palm, but <laughs> they were number one. And they've always been hovering around that 40, 50 range in the net, even though they were at one point like tied for first in the Big East. So the metrics don't like them, but I think the committee is going to overlook the metrics and see it's a very good basketball team and they'll still be in the field. Mm -hmm. In a tough conference too. Yes. We'll move on to the nightcap of the quarterfinals. We got number two, Xavier, who we now know does not have Zach Fremantle. 
taking out Seton Hall. And once again, I'll let you guys make your predictions first before I give mine here. Uh, even though I like the way Seton Hall is playing, I'm still going to go Xavier despite despite the injury. Um, I, you know, I think I think Xavier swept Seton Hall this this season, I believe. Um, but I, despite the injury, I still think Xavier still has a quality team to move on to the next round. Yeah, Xavier is a uh, those are tough group of guys over there. Um, they scare me personally. Uh, I feel like they're the one team in this tournament where I'm truly like, I don't know. Uh, we haven't seen ourselves beat them. I feel we've beaten every other team. Uh, this this one is just a no. I don't know. It's it's ugly. They're a, they're a very well put together team, and I think they make easy work of Hall here. I mean, even with the way that. Holloway coaches his team. I mean, I think it'll be a pretty close game, but I mean, you've watched Sule Boom over the past like month. I mean, he's been unstoppable. I mean, he's just, he's proved to this conference. I mean, he's, he's pretty old, but he's proved to this conference how good of a player he actually is. And like the thing I said about Hall, not really having a, a star player who would be able to defend, defend him. I just, I think Xavier gets this one in the end. It'll, it'll be a close game. I don't think it'll the lead for any team will get above 10 points, but I feel like Xavier's a team who knows how to pull away. I mean, they, they showed us at our home court at Gamble that they could pull away pretty easily. So I've got Xavier in this one. Yeah. Seton Hall, certainly a scrappy team, but you got to remember we're at the point where they're playing a back to back and they've sure they played DePaul the night before, right. which we all think won't be too, too hard of a win, but any team playing basketball back-to-back is going to be tough to win, especially if you're playing a Xavier team that's top 15 in the country. Even with no Fremantle, I checked uh, in, in December, the two teams played. It was a close Xavier win, but in February, Xavier blew them out. So I feel like the Musketeers will have no issue here. And I think we'll move on to the final game on Thursday. It's been pretty much all chalk up to this point in the bracket. I have a Strange feeling we may change that here depending on what we agree on. It's Creighton versus Villanova, uh, a rematch of last year's Big East Championship game. And once again, I'm going to let you guys go first because I feel like we may have some, not disagreements, but we may have our own opinions here. Andrew, you can go over, man. <laughs> I mean, I got to take Creighton here. I mean, I just don't see the whole Villanova making a deep run thing like I pointed out before. I mean, I feel like I'm going to get killed three to one here, but I just, as much as people trash on Ryan Calkner at the day, the guy is just so big that he can, he can destroy undersized centers. Like a guy like Aaron Dix, like last night was the battle of the undersized centers. I mean, Sonogo had him the first time, but I just think that having him having his best game, you know, he's just, he is that guy for this great team. I mean, as much as like Shireman helps him with the threes, I mean, you get him going, it's game over. I mean, you tire a guy like Dixon now who's going to be chasing him all over the place. I just – I think that Creighton – Creighton will win this one, but just stay tuned for the next one for my final prediction on this team. But I've got Creighton over Villanova for this one. I feel like I'm going to get outvoted here, but it's all right. You guys want me to go? Go ahead. Yeah. A- Andrew, yeah, you're, 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 com- you're completely wrong, my man. I think that, like I mentioned before, this Villanova team is a team that should be a like number two or number three seed in this particular tournament. Tournament, if they didn't have to go through the injuries, I'll mention again: Justin Moore is a, is That's the a leader really of the valid point. But, but I'm just saying, I'm just letting you know why they're going to be crazy. Um, 
I, I think just the, the way they play, even with like Cam Whitmore, I mean, this is a young guy. If, you know, if we keep him on a straight and narrow, like he's a guy who can, who can do a lot of, who, who can do a lot of damage. Um, but you also have guys that are veterans like Brandon Slater has been around for a while that, uh, that has that, that, that NCAA tournament experience. I mean, remember how far they went in the tournament last year. Um, I think the only kryptonite to their style of play, the way they are right now is I think was what we saw when they played UConn. Um, so I think now that Villanova has most of their players together, I think they'll beat a team like Creighton. I'm not saying they're going to blow them out or anything like that, but, um, but yeah, I, I can't see this Villanova team uh, losing right now at all. I have to agree with Darren. Uh, I mean, especially with Justin Moore coming back and playing uh, recently. Uh, I feel like this is really Cam Whitmore, uh, his time of the year, in my honest opinion. He had a lot of hype coming into this season. We're looking at him like a draft prospect, top lottery draft prospect. I, I think he shows up in this tournament, and I think he starts it right here uh, with this game against Creighton. Uh, I feel like he's he really is the X factor. Uh, someone like him, I mean, he only averaged around 10 points this season. Uh, but you know, I feel like this is where we begin to, you know, see his value, see his worth when the games really matter, you know, what is he made of? And I feel like, you know, he'll, he knows he has a lot of eyes on him and I feel like he shows up and I feel like Villanova scrape it out. I don't think it'll be, you know, by any means a blowout or anything. I feel like it'll go back and forth, but ultimately Villanova will, will take this one. I'm also going to hop on the wildcat train here. I'm going Villanova <laughs> and I'm looking at their last game around two weeks ago. Villanova won by 12 at home, and it was, I'm pretty sure I didn't. I wasn't able to watch. I'm pretty sure they were up by more at one point in that one. And a number number that sticks out for me in that one, Eric Dixon had 31 points and made six threes because the guy guarding him, Ryan Kalkbrenner, would not step out on him. Kalkbrenner's a phenomenal shot blocker inside, National Defensive Player of the Year candidate. But when he when a guy that he's guarding is a three point shooter, he tends to just stay stay in the paint, and that backfired. Dixon, I'm. I don't have it in front of me. I'm pretty sure that'd be his career high of 31 points, though. So I feel like Villanova, I mean, they, they beat Georgetown the night before. They have some momentum. I think they're going to pick off Creighton in the nightcap. We've seen Colic Burner get exposed uh, a few times here now, and I don't think it stops here. I feel like Eric Dixon, uh, the way he plays is just so – he's he really is unstoppable. He's given us issues. He's given everybody else issues. Uh, so, I mean, Villanova look here. like To me, at least, they look like a, a big favorite. Greg McDermott has more experience than Kyle Neptune in a tournament like this. And that's all I'm going to say. I mean, <laughs> I think, I mean, as my, I knew you guys were going to, were going to get me on this one, but I, I mean, I got to stay with Creighton. I mean, I feel like Dixon, the way that Neptune is going to use Dixon is going to be incorrectly, which is going to lose in that game. I think that he's going to go to Kalkbrenner every time and he's not going to step out because of people like Slater more, who can shoot the ball from the outside. So I think it's going to be Kyle Neptune that loses them this game, not not Villanova themselves. And I think if they start to go against them, it's going to show and he's going to start getting mad and it's going to be an absolute mess. But I, I still got to say with Creighton, as much as I really am not a fan of them, I just I got to stay with them because I just don't think that, that they'd lose to Villanova. I mean, it's a completely different team than last year. Sure, they're a decorated franchise. They went deep last year. It's a completely different coach. I mean, I feel like that's what you have to take into account. Here. Uh, uh, the, <laughs> the, the coach only does so much, my man. It, when, when the players go out there, they they play ball. You know what I mean? They 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 yeah. play ball, man. And yeah. and I already named all the players that that Villanova has. Um, yeah, he's not coaching slouches either. Those guys are 
And there's some ball players. But we'll see. If Creighton, wins, man, if Creighton wins, we'll clip this off. We'll put it on social media and just we'll make us look bad. It'll be interesting <laughs> for sure. Connor's in charge of the clips. So. Yeah, I'll I'll be sure to <laughs> expose all three of us if Creighton blows them out, which man, is my... more than more than a possibility. Seeing how hey, man, I could look, I could look, could look really good if St. John's pulling up for me. Well, Very if St. John's true. wins, you're definitely getting some sort of oh, some yeah. sort of clip, even even showing you hesitating, but going with your gut. You got to show, you got to show the hesitation. You got to, yes. you got to, you got to like the before and the after, like you got to go through that whole dramatic part mm-hmm. of him not wanting <laughs> to pick St. John's and we all pressured him into it. The roller coaster, man. It's the big East. So now we're on semifinal Friday, Friday night at Madison square garden. It's going to be rocking the whole tournament. Like we said, it's going to be rocking first game. We have Marquette taking on UConn, or if you're Matt, you have St. John's taking on UConn. So who do you guys think is going to move on? I have a feeling we all are going to have a similar answer once again. <laughs> but who do you guys think is going to advance to the championship game? I'm going to go first just because I took the ladder here. Uh, I think UConn beats either team. I'm going to say why for both. Uh, UConn knows St. John's. Uh, I don't think we make the same mistakes we made the first game against them. Uh, and I think our, our our star players show up. We, we take care of St. John's. Marquette, though, um, they don't scare me. They never scared me. That first game we played over uh, over at their home court, we should have won anyways, uh, in my honest opinion. I feel like we lost that one. That was that little streak of games we had where, you know, we uh, we went on the road to a bunch of tough teams and came out on the short end of the stick. But I, I don't feel like we should have lost that game. Uh, I mean, obviously, team morale was very low, but we beat ourselves, honestly. And I feel like that for a bunch of those games, we beat ourselves uh, those teams didn't, they got the better of us that night. Uh, but we also got the better of ourselves and we came back in a better mindset. We come, we came back in a better run of form and we showed Marquette, uh, why we were 14 and zero, and why we were projected to lose no big East games coming into the play, uh, coming into big East play. Um, I think we have an advantage all over the floor. I don't, uh, I don't believe in Tyler Kolek. Someone's not letting me, uh, wrap my head around him. I don't think he should be the biggest player of the year. Uh, I just don't. And I feel like UConn, uh, UConn has their number, just personally. I think Danny Hurley has Shaka Smart. And I think UConn, UConn come away with it. All right. Uh, I'll go second. I do agree with you. UConn moves on. I do remember I was mentioning before, like I would rather face Marquette than Providence. <laughs> um, but you, when you look at a team like Marquette, you are, you're exactly right that literally – Obviously, UConn blew Marquette out. One, one, uh, uh, the, I think it was the previous game, the last time, their last matchup. But the one they lost, I mean, I think they were up by like either ten or eleven points, um, and they ended up losing that lead in that in that particular game. Um, so it's a different story than some of the other losses that they had, where they kind of like fell behind, never got a real good chance to actually catch back up. Um, but then, like, I don't know, maybe I'm, 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 maybe this is a, a stretch here, but like. For some reason, the way like we were mentioning, UConn's back to playing the way they were when they were fourteen and all. And the and the first time we got a chance to really see how good UConn was was when they're playing at a neutral site when they were playing in their 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 uh you know their their preseason tournaments I guess you can call it right early season tournaments. And obviously UConn was getting stuff done, beating like a quality team like Alabama. Um, when you look at Marquette, like Marquette. I, I I don't remember the ter- I don't remember what they played and it was a something something tip off but I remember them losing like Mississippi State, um so I'm I'm going back to like maybe neutral sites here, um where Marquette maybe may not play that well on, on neutral sites they I know for a fact 
they're not as good as they are when they play in Marquette. I think they're like six, 16 and one overall this season or something like that. Uh, so I have UConn by analytics beating uh, Marquette in this one. Yeah, I just want to quickly before I say anything else, uh, during our preseason preview, we were talking about Marquette and we said a similar thing. Uh, they had that big win against Baylor. And then I think I, I can't remember what the school was. It was some mid-major that had no re, no, no no business playing them. They only beat them by 10. Uh, LIU? Was it LIU? It was not. I can't remember who it was. I could take a look. But um, they struggled. They had a hard time uh, beating teams uh, that, you know, were, would stick around with them. It was mainly the issue at the neutral site. Oh. Uh, it was Rapper Central. No, nah, they only who was it? It was um they beat they NC beat, Central they beat Radford by, by ten. Radford. I was looking at Radford. They beat Radford, but th- this whole stretch they had was rough. They beat Radford by ten. They beat they lost to Purdue by five. And then they blew out LIU. They lost to Mississippi State. And then they would blow teams out. They'd lose to they destroyed Butler and then they lost to or Baylor and then they lost to Wisconsin. To me, they they are they're all over the place, uh, especially as as we've seen at the neutral side games. So I mean, what we see here, will I mean, will they make it out past St. John's? Well, see, like you mentioned before, you mentioned Marquette in regards to their experience. So yeah. this could be one of those where Marquette may not have that 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 tournament experience on why they maybe lose early, either to St. John's, like you were saying, but uh, but in the semifinals of UConn. That was going to be my point is. I feel like UConn would actually have a tougher time with St. John's than Marquette because Marquette to me is a team that's in this conference for no reason. I mean, they're not, you think of big East teams, you don't think of Marquette. You don't think of Creighton. You think of the UConn Providence Villanova St. John's teams and even Seton Hall because they're the ones that really belong in this conference. And I just, I don't think that Marquette has, the mental toughness to beat a team like UConn in the Big East tournament. Um, I mean, I don't. It doesn't really matter to me who they have on their roster. I just don't think they have the mental toughness to beat UConn because of the way that UConn's been lately and the fact that they're back in this tournament. Um, I mean, for the third straight year, but they were out of it for a while, and now they're coming back and showing the conference who they really are. So, I'd have to agree with that Tyler Kolek take, though. I don't think. He's extremely good, and I just don't think that this team has what it takes to beat UConn. I think they're gonna they're gonna get exposed in March Madness and in this tournament, and that's that's my flamer. You guys can flame me for that if you want, but I think Marquette's the team that's gonna get exposed pretty badly in this tournament. And UConn came up against Marquette last time they had played, and Marquette were on a very hot run of form. They had won ten of their last eleven, and uh, UConn just kind of tossed them all around. So do what you want with that information. Yeah, we're talking about them getting exposed, Marquette. Last year in the tournament, they ran into a very hot UNC team in that first round, team that made it all the way to the national championship. They got blown out by, what, 32, 33 points. So they do have experience there, but they have experience getting killed. So Uh I don't know. Experience is experience, but I I feel like they almost want to forget that happening. And I'm also going to pick UConn, and I'm going to put some stats behind it as well. I'm looking at Ken Palm. I use that tool a lot to compare teams and stuff. And I see UConn has the 10th best offense, and Marquette has the 4th best offense, so two top 10 offenses. But then on the defensive end, UConn is rated 12th, and then Marquette is 68th. Sure, Mm -hmm. 68th out of, what, 300-something, still not bad. But in a a single elimination game like this, I feel like you're going to have to want to 
play a little bit of defense. You, we all saw St. John's put up, what, 93, 94 points against them this weekend. I mean, if you don't get stops, especially the crowd, I don't know how many Marquette fans are going to travel out to the Big East tournament, but certainly nowhere near the amount of fans as UConn's going to have. I feel like all those things combined, UConn comes away with the win. Yeah, and uh, the metrics love UConn, uh, not just in this tournament, but in the NCAA tournament. Um, I don't, I can't remember what the number was, but teams in Ken Palm who have both like a top 15 offense and defense have won the national championship like the past however many years. And there's only like four or five teams uh, that fall into that category. UConn fall into it. I think Kansas is, is one of them. Houston, can't name all of them, but I mean, the metrics love us, so. Now I think we'll move on to the second semifinal game on Friday night, Xavier taking on Villanova. And this one, I, I'll go first for this one. I have Xavier winning even before the Zach Fremantle news. I feel like you got to remember Villanova, they're now playing their third consecutive day of basketball. Sure, we saw UConn go five wins in five days in the Big East tournament in 2011, but it's very tough, especially Nova. They only play, what, seven eight guys in the rotation. So they're going to be a little burnt out three straight days, but I think Xavier takes this one and advances to the final. I'm going to agree with you on that one. I, I, I was going back and forth um, because I, I've said, I told you before, just what Villanova has. Um, but I think Xavier is a quality team, despite the injuries and stuff like that. They still have the caliber of a team and has played consistency consistently enough um, to knock off a Villanova team that I think is really, really good. I just think if Villanova had that team together for the entire year and they were able to build up that continuity, maybe it would have been a different story. But they just have too many pieces coming together. And obviously them playing in that first round on a Wednesday to then play, you know, all these back-to-back games to run into Xavier like that. I, I don't I don't see them pulling that off. So I have Xavier moving on. You can go first, Andrew. All right. Um. So this is this is a weird one, but you know the fatigue. You have to make that point about the fatigue with Villanova. You know, playing three games, three days. Obviously, not easy. And what they went through with their injuries. I mean, you guys got to remember that Moore isn't necessarily like completely healthy. I mean, he tore his Achilles, which is, in my opinion, the hardest injury to come back from. And I I just don't think they'll keep up. With this Xavier team, I don't think they have really anybody who would be able to guard Sule Boom. And if they did have somebody who would guard him, you know, having um not Fremantle, but oh boy, this is Nunji. His name Nunji, Jack Nunji. Yes, I get them all mixed up. Edie, all those tall guys. Um, but having a guy like, <laughs> I mean, all of them, I get them all mixed up. But uh, you know, having a guy like Nunji. Who's so? I mean, my argument still stands for Eric Dixon, and I feel like it would stand for Sonogo and a guy like Joel Soriano, or even Ed Croswell. Just those seven footers are different than the guys who are six nine, six ten. I mean, they can do so much more damage um, than those guys, and I think that's what will win Xavier this game is on the low block, and especially if Dixon tends to struggle with Culpriner in that game, if they do. When I still don't think they, I still got to go against you guys with that one. But if they do struggle with Xavier, I think it'll be Xavier beats Villanova. But I would take Creighton beating Xavier. Uh, I mean, someone's got to be different. So here I am again. Uh, I'm going to roll with Villanova. And this is why. I feel like, you know, 
you guys are taking a little bit of a half glass empty approach to this game with Villanova. And I I don't think like Connor said fatigue. I, I don't necessarily look at this as fatigue. I look at this at a team that could get hot. I look at this as a great opportunity for them to turn it on. They had a bad regular season and here they are. They've already played two days in a row. Uh, if those games go according to plan, they're going to come into this game against Xavier feeling like they could beat anybody. They went two in a row. Here they are right in the semifinals. One more game here in the finals. They have enough quality to do it, uh, especially with Fremantle being out for Xavier. I feel like Villanova, I don't think they're the better team, but I think they'll be the better team that night. And I feel like they will come out on top over Xavier uh, and make it to the finals. And uh, that is scary for UConn. Uh, a part of me would rather see Xavier than Nova in the final just because of you know the run that Nova would have put on at that point. But I'm, I'm going to roll with Nova just simply based off the fact that I, I'm going to make an assumption that they're going to get hot, they're going to turn it on, and they're going to tune up just in time. Hey, that's that's actually not a bad answer. Like I told you, I was torn um, about it. Um, cause, you know, I know uh, Andrew was talking about like Justin Moore coming back from the Achilles injury, but like I mean, the guy did drop like twenty something points, like I think the previous game or something like that. Um, so he he Justin Moore looks like Justin Moore to me, um, to be honest. But uh, yeah, that's a tough one. So I, and, I mean, man, I'm not I'm not going against you, but like I do. I mean, I am going against you, but I understand where you're coming from. That's why I was torn. That's where you got to ask the question with the fatigue. You know, obviously they get hot. They're they're going to be unstoppable. You know, that's that's been a thing that's been floating all over the Internet. But you have to ask yourself. If Villanova makes a run like that and has to play even four games in four days, does the passion that Justin Moore has to win this tournament overcome the pain? Because, you know, he's going to be hurting playing four games in four days on an injury like that, you know, he's going to be hurting. So you have to ask yourself the question, will the passion over overcome the pain for him? And that's just, that's an answer that I don't know yet because I haven't watched him play enough games this year. I mean, obviously he's a very good player. What did you say? He dropped like 20 something. Um, yeah. But you like have 20, to ask like 20, yourself that. 23 against Seton Hall, I think it was. Yeah. yeah. You have Seven. to ask yourself that question. And I feel like that's a completely valid question to ask in a sense like this. Yeah, I mean, his run of form has been great. 15 against Butler, 17 against Providence, 25 against Xavier. He had a little bit of a slow game against uh, Creighton. He had eight points and eight assists, but then he turned it right back up. He had 23 against Hall and 17 against us. But, I mean, it's it's just it's a, it's a weird situation to be in. Uh, part of me believes he won't play against Georgetown. Uh, that might be a good idea, considering how bad Georgetown are. I feel like a shorthanded Villanova could still take care of Georgetown. So we'll see how they go about that. But, you know, still, that would be two days in a row for him. This would be his, this would be his um second game in a row. So I don't think you necessarily be a, a not playing guy, but he would be like Hassan Diara last night, who was dressed and ready to go. But just on the circumstance of the game, you know, Hurley didn't want to play, didn't want to risk anything. So I feel like if anything, that's what he would be. He would be dressed and ready to go. But unless somehow – Georgetown has Villanova's number that night. I don't think we'd see him on the floor uh, just because Villanova theoretically should take care of this game pretty easily. But, I mean, anything can happen in this tournament. But I feel like, if anything, he'll be dressed and just won't take the floor. Yeah, I, I can't imagine. They Imagine they hold out Justin Moore for the first round game and they somehow lose to Georgetown 
what yeah. would Kyle Neptune, the situation he'd be in? I, I don't see, think that would happen. It's an interesting idea. I, I agree with your philosophy there. But I don't think it would happen. And once for majority rule, like I said, we're going to have Xavier moving on to the championship to set up a date with UConn round another, obviously they're all around threes. I keep on saying that every team played twice. So round three between UConn and Xavier, the Musketeers took both matchups the first time around. It was a 10 point win in Cincinnati. And then I believe a three point win in stores. And I'll go first in this one. And I was honestly on the fence before I heard the Fremantle news. I said the Fremantle news didn't really matter for me for the Villanova game, but I feel like it will matter if they play an extra day because Without Fremantle, Xavier's really playing six, seven guys. If you count the backup big man who's just spelling Nunji a couple of minutes. So if you have like six guys playing three straight days, what they're each probably going to play 30 plus minutes. The bench guy might play only 20, but that's going to catch up with you. I mean, that's been a common theme with us, all the fatigue. And UConn, they have the depth. They have nine guys that can legitimately give you run, and that's going to be important. And I feel like we were so close last time. We were down pretty decently at halftime, but we went off in the second half. UConn against Xavier, they like outscored him by like 15, I believe, but came up short. I feel like UConn at MSG, it's destiny. Destiny. I feel like they take care of business and they get the auto bid in the Big East. I guess I guess it's my turn. Um, I so I'm I'm trying not to be the like. Obviously, we all care about UConn, right? You don't want this to be like you know, bias because we care more about UConn. Our hearts are into it. Um, but I don't give a crap about that, so I'm going to pick UConn to win. Um, and and I'm, I'm trying to figure out a reason why UConn will win. And the, the tough thing is, is like, I get it. Xavier, you know, swept them during the regular season. I, I, it's hard to beat a team three times in one year, right? Especially a, a, team, a team like UConn. And I think that Xavier beat UConn their first game. I think that was that was that end of the 14-0 uh, streak, right? That was their first mm-hmm. loss. I think maybe UConn probably had maybe a different mindset where they think where they maybe thought they can get by everybody easily. Um, so I'm man, I'm so torn on this one. Um man, I'm torn because these games have literally have gone back and forth. And I and I try to look at like, okay. Percent shooting percentage wise, how did Jordan Hawkins do? I mean, I think he, he dropped like t- almost like thirty points in their previous game. Like, uh, oh, can, we, hey, can, can I pass? I'm going to the net. Can, 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 yeah, yeah. Let me pass. Let me pass real quick. Maybe you guys can convince me on this because I'm I'm torn. I'll take it. I'll I'll take this challenge here to try and convince you. I want this game to happen so badly. Just because of everything that's happened with Andre Jackson over the past however many months, this guy has been a different player as as of the past few weeks. Mm-hmm. And this was a game where Andre Jackson was exposed. He shot three of twelve. He came out he ice terrible. cold. He came out ice cold. He shot three of twelve from this game. Oh, of three from three. Uh, and he didn't add much else. He only had two rebounds and two assists. With Fremantle being out. I feel like this is a game where Andre Jackson can kind of command it. They're not going to be able to play him the same way they played him last time, just because of how he's been playing. He's been confident. He's been great. Tristan Newton had a great game last time. He had 23. Jordan Hawkins had 28. Uh, We saw a little bit of a struggle. Snow go 11, nine and five from Caravan. Who's also heating up. I I feel like 
Uh, also, Calcaterra played only six minutes, had zero points. I, I feel like I want to run into them. I want to beat them. I want it so bad because once we get them, we'll have everybody. And if we win this Big East tournament, I think we could get a three-seed in March, and that would be a lot better than having a four or five, which we've had struggle with, uh, had trouble with over the past two years. Uh, I, I think this is a game where Andre Jackson dictates how we do, just like last time. This is going to be a matchups game. I mean, you know, we lost the two games to them, but what did they have that we didn't? The height with Fremantle and Nunji, and what do they not have now? Fremantle. So this is going to be a matchup game. I mean, I'm looking at their starting lineup in their last game of the season. I think I think Hawkins will be on boom. I think he's one of our best defenders. Um, Colby Jones will be guarded by Andre, who I think I'd have to agree with Matt. He's He's gotten a lot better. He's getting his confidence back. I mean, that Xavier game – Ah, God, I think that was the worst one I've seen him play, like, ever. But he'll be on Jones. Kunkel will have Newton on him. And then Caravan will be on Hunter. And Sonogo will be on Nunji. But I think in this game, what it's going to come down to is how the environment is. Because, you know, that environment at the Cintas Center lost us the game. I mean, honestly, Hurley getting that technical, the place got fired up. And it was over as soon as Hurley, I hate saying something like this, but as soon as Hurley got that technical, that game everything changed. Over. over. I mean, you really you that can't happen. Um, I mean, then they came to stores. Andre Jackson started out zero for seven to the point where I was screaming, "Stop shooting the ball!" And UConn came back because of what Gamble Pavilion had, which was a sold out, passionate crowd. And then Xavier was able to pull away. And I think Xavier is a team that is disciplined by Sean Miller. They know how to pull away from close games. And I feel like that this is something that we're either going to see UConn do or not do. You know, if it's within two points with a minute left, I'm not as confident that UConn's going to pull away um, just because of their history. But what I am confident is, is that Hurley is going to coach this game perfectly and that UConn will end up winning in the end just because of, you know, the matchups. I mean, Sule Boom has been killing it this year, but Hawkins is going to be in his face, and he's going to be forced to go to a guy like probably like Adam Kunkel, who hasn't, you know, really proved anything. He'll be guarded by Newton, who's not a bad defender, but he's just kind of that second guard defender who will be facilitating around. And this this is going to scream matchups this game, especially because of the lack of Xavier, Xavier's depth now without uh, Fremantle. I feel like we are severely uh, underestimating the lack of depth. They played seven guys last game. Yeah, one that's of, what I just saw in that box dude, score. One of them being Desmond Claude. He's averaging four points a game. Um, where do they go? Where do they go if one of the guys isn't on? Where like They have nowhere to run. They're going to have to come out. And they're going to have to beat us entirely with their starting lineup, which I don't think they can do with the number of X factors that UConn has right now. Uh, Klingon in the last game did nothing. And now without Fremantle, Klingon, I feel like, might see a little bit more of the floor. Uh, he might try and take advantage of that hype. Uh, Calcaterra, another one, another one. He's turned it on. We saw him his last game at MSG. Why well, he did. He had 15 points on like that. Nahim Aline looks like an entirely different player on the offensive end since the last time we played this much has changed in a month. This has only been a month, and I feel like they have nowhere to run. I feel like UConn, they, they, they've they made such a change to the way they play, but it's not a big enough change to where it's they had to change their whole identity. It's, it's, it's a team that plays with each other now rather than 
uh, like on a team, if that makes sense. They, 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 they are way more of a collective unit now. They know how to pick each other up. They know each other's strengths. And again, Andre Jackson is the big one here. Andre Jackson is the biggest X factor of this for me. Should I go? I guess. Go for it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you guys. I'm going I'm to I'm do this. I won a whole bunch of these, right? It's an Emmy Award. I'm going to put my sports broadcasting knowledge into this one. And I'm going to go as far as saying that when UConn first lost to Xavier, which started that entire losing streak, um, I think when they struggled during that time, they also played Xavier twice. And I think there was a whole mental ch uh, uh, mentality change, which you're mentioning, Matt, that is kind of like payback for everybody, right? And scheduling, okay, hey, we got you. We're playing you again. Let's, let's beat you this time. So I think that will continue. The thing I love about UConn is they're playing the same way they're playing at the beginning of the year, and they have that swagger, and they're using that depth that literally was making a lot of teams struggle against them early in the season. And you guys are mentioning that that Xavier that they what they only play about like six or seven guys. Seven I guys. think I think the depth that UConn has um, will pull them through. And I'm not trying to be like biased here because I am a UConn fan, but like when you look at it numbers wise, and and when UConn plays the way that they they normally play. They are really, really hard to beat, and if and if Xavier doesn't have the manpower to keep up with them, uh, that's 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 going to be really tough on them. And especially you're playing at Madison Square Garden, where you know for a fact if UConn is playing at Madison Square Garden, that's going to probably be like 10 percent. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I'm gonna, um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna say UConn's gonna win this. Andrew mentioned in the last episode that. The revenge tour was over. It's not over. It ends on March 11th right, when we yeah. meet Xavier. When we meet Xavier and we whoop him. <laughs> I realized that right after that episode that that was a possibility. And I realized I was like, uh, mm -hmm. revenge tour, you know, it's it's at a halt. You know, we've we've done a great job with that. But I feel like this, this Xavier one will cap that off so nicely. I feel like in this entire thing, we really haven't talked about UConn's depth. You know, we like to say, that UConn has seven college basketball starters. In my opinion, Donovan Klingon is most likely starting at at least we'll say 90% of other colleges in mm -hmm. Division One. Um, I mean, you know, playing behind Adama Snogo, who's a back-to-back -back all big East first team selection, you know, that's that's tough. But I mean, he's what he's shown this year has been it's it's insane what him and Caravan have shown as freshmen. Even a guy like Hassan Diara, I feel yeah. like could start at plenty of programs. Um, but we're really we have severely underestimated this team's depth all year. And something that we talked about was this rotation getting cut down. I don't think it gets cut down. I mean, I I hate to go against what we said in earlier episodes, but I don't think this rotation gets cut down just because of of what this tournament means. For us, you know, these teams, they might be like a team like Xavier is going to be, I feel like, gasping for air by the second half of this. And, you know, we're going to be fine. We're going to have guys that aren't even tired, you know, guys coming in ready to play, you know, Calcaterra, Aline off the bench and Klingon and Diara. So I feel like this this tournament has our name. That trophy has our name written all over it. We just have to pull pull the right strings, play the right cards to walk home with that trophy. Our second of uh, of three that I think we're capable of winning this season. Man, I, I want to point out, like, I remember going to see UConn play at Georgetown uh, here in Washington, D.C. And when you guys are mentioning, like, Aline, like, 
I tell my wife all the time, I'm like, Aleem must have gone through like puberty or something like that. Cause he's playing like a man now. Like, like the way he's been playing as of late and making those like mid range jumpers. Like I think it's, you know, around like the free throw line and even his three point game. I, I hate his form, but like, but he has definitely stepped his level of play up. And we mentioned some of those guys like Klingon where he could be a starter anywhere else. Like, I mean, Joey California was, was, was a start. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to think if a lean started at Virginia tech, I'm, I'm, not I'm not sure about that. I'm, but uh pretty but, sure he did. But the thing is is like he did, yeah. But they have like they have that that quality, that that depth that Xavier's gonna have to really like they're gonna have to figure out a game plan. But like what Sean Miller does with with any team that he that he coaches, even back when he was at Arizona, like you have to fear his knowledge and his expertise. So I think it's gonna be a really tight challenge no matter what. But I yeah, I'm I'm still going UConn, man. You mentioned Aline playing like a man. Now I've been preaching this. I don't know if I've said it on an episode, but at least in our group chat that Alex Caravan has done the same exact thing. We were giving him so much slack in the first half of the season. We were saying he doesn't like, he, he isn't aggressive. He didn't want the rebounds. He didn't really play much defense. These are entirely different players now. And I love it because you can tell that they're, they're building off of each other. And Aline is a factor of Caravan. who's a factor of Klingon. who's a factor of Sano. It's all just one unit. And I, that's a feeling I feel like I haven't felt, you know, watching UConn since that 2020 season where we were going into March red hot and then we got cut short. Um, obviously, we've had the guys the past few years that are now like professionals, but to me, none of them felt like that. None of them feel like this. Uh, this team just feels different. I mean, you know, Darren just pointed out that Sean Miller, uh, his coaching expertise, but you have to wonder, you know, in the last game we played against Xavier, you know, he he told his guys not to guard Andre Jackson. And, I mean, I think he started that game 0 of 7 with four missed threes, um, and that's why they ended up winning that game. But you have to wonder, did he pick up? on what this team is now. I mean, this is a completely different team from when we played them last, like Matt just mentioned with Caravan and then with Jackson, but even a guy like Tristan Newton, who's looking more and more like he wants to be out there on the floor every night. I mean, you know, you guys have like Hawkins and Sonogo who are going to be your go-to guys every night, but this is going to really prove his coaching expertise. Like, did he, did he pick up those little things that UConn is doing? Did he pick up what guys are doing off the bench? Like a lean, playing more like a man like Darren also mentioned. So this is this is going to be a coaching game, in my opinion. You know, whoever coaches the team better, I think, is going to win this one just because of the complete difference in teams since they last met. What is Xavier in defense? What what's what are they ranking in defense? I can pull that up real quick. Xavier. Just wondering what their their offense and defense is. Offense. I, I, I know good I know good and well UConn's gonna bring the defense yeah, it's pretty much the same as Marquette. Offense seven, defense eighty-four. Okay. All right. Yeah. Wow. That's I'm pretty sure I me. saw they've been better defensively without without Fremantle. Slightly, but still better. Yeah. So that'll be interesting. And also I like I'm like the fact checker guy on this podcast. And the Hemaline 90 games at Virginia Tech, he made 84 starts. So a career starter. Gotcha. With the, with the so we gotta zone. start, we gotta start her off the bench. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. That's we why, won. I mean, we have seven starters. That's why I like to say that. I mean. <laughs> and we went we went a little long here talking about the Big East tournament, but it's a fun topic. It's the best time of year for college basketball fans. Before we let you guys go, I want to do one thing. We all agree, consensus, even if it's close, UConn 
is going to win it all. So who's the most outstanding player? I'll go first. I feel like this is the Andre Jackson coming out party. I feel like we may get a triple-double against who? I don't know. But I feel like he was so close against DePaul. Sure, it's DePaul. He's playing his best basketball of his career. I feel like that's going to continue over the next week or so. I feel like Andre Jackson's going to take it for UConn. Wow. Wow. Uh, Oh, wow. Listen, if Andre Jackson is the MVP, like, I'm going to run outside screaming with excitement because that means he he balled out of his mind. Um, Andre Jackson, I love the way he plays. He he has athletic ability like like no other. Uh, Still scares me. He just uh, just sometimes still scares me. Has great ball handling handling skills, but you guys saw him in the last game. Like, there should have been like a traveling call or whatever, but Sometimes he sometimes he scares me a little bit. Um, I'm going Jordan Hawkins though. I think I think it'll be between Jordan Hawkins and Sonogo, but we all know that Jordan Hawkins is that that this season, that true different difference maker that can literally make UConn explode on an eight oh run um any given time where he knocks down back to back threes or something like that. Um, which will be a six oh run, but you get what I'm saying. Um, so I'm going Jordan Hawkins. I'm gonna go with a bit of a different one too. Uh, if you remember back to the PK tournament, uh, we got production from a lot of areas, and our MVP for that tournament was Klingon. I don't think the MVP, uh, the most outstanding player for the Big East tournament is going to be Klingon, but I can see a similar kind of pathway here for Tristan Newton to really make a name for himself. He pops up when we need him, and he's been very, very aggressive in the in the the past second half of the season. Um, he shows up when you need him. He is our biggest x factor per se he is like our third best starter in my opinion to me it goes um Hawkins Sonogo kind of like tied and then to me Tristan Newton just in terms of importance because he mm-hmm. when he's on when he's confident this team is different uh one thing people say about us is we lack a true point guard I've said the same thing in the past but when Tristan Newton is playing in a confident manner it doesn't matter uh he's pulling from 2 feet 3 feet behind the three point line and he's sinking them uh we say that his magic number's 10 shots uh when he shoots more than 10 shots that's a different player and he's been doing that very consistently as of recent I say Tristan Newton has quite the tournament here and I think he comes away with the most outstanding most outstanding player award Nah actually it's a time for us to go to work again because the last couple of years, our March was not good. So this year, we've got to make sure we don't do the same mistakes. We can't afford to make mistakes. The man I just quoted is going to absolutely dominate this oh, tournament, and that would be Adama Sanogo. He was asked if March is a fun time of year, and I absolutely love that quote because he's dead right. I mean, we've underperformed severely in the past couple of years, and you know that's why a lot of college basketball people call us frauds or whatever. I don't tend to listen to them when they say things like that. But, you know, that's that's who I think is going to win this MVP. Sonogo is going to absolutely dominate this tournament and show the world why this Connecticut team is ready to make a deep run this March. Yeah, I was in the press room when Sonogo said that quote, and it was funny because he said nah, and then there was like a good three to five second pause. So it sounded like at first he's like not excited for March, but then he gave a very good explanation as Andrew just read off. And what's very interesting, and I like that we all named four different people who could win the most outstanding player. That just shows how deep this team is. And Matt made the point about Klingon, the backup center, winning the PKI MVP. That's kind of the similar uh, 
reasoning for why I picked Jackson. It could be anyone. There, obviously, Hawkins and Sonogo are the first teamers for this UConn team, but everyone contributes in their own way, and that's what makes this team so special. That's what's going to be important, and to me, that's what people are going to remember because we've had the consistency from Sonogo and from Hawkins all season. Um, they haven't wavered, uh, and, you know, that's great, but I feel like once we get to the end of this tournament and we're looking at, all right, who – who turned it up? Who flipped that switch for them? Uh, it's just there. There's so many options, and I feel like we all, we all made very good points. I I, I will say this, and I my dad's a big UConn fan. We talk about it all the time, and I I tell my dad, if UConn plays the way UConn's supposed to play, we all know the what they're capable of of, of what they're uh, how good they're act, actually could be or are playing right now, like you look at Alabama and where they're ranked in the country, right? Even though they just, they, they lost some players they are going through their own drama. Um, UConn should be one of the top teams in the nation right now. They, they, they are a team that should be a number one seed going into this tournament when they play the way they play. Um, I think UConn, when they play like the way they should play is they're the best team in this conference. Hands down, hands down. I agree. And we, you were talking about seeding. Matt mentioned if we win the Big East tournament, we'd be a three. I have the argument if we win the Big East tournament, we're a two. I mean, you look at our resume, we get wins over Providence, Marquette most sure. likely, and then either Xavier or Creighton if they make it, or even a solid Nova team at this point. I mean, that's adding three very solid wins to a, a resume. We already are really good in like the net and the Kempom. We have those solid non-conference wins. I mean, I'd be hard. You'd have to really convince me to tell me there'd be eight teams that have a better resume than ours if yeah. we run the table at MSG. Xavier, Xavier's the tough one because we haven't gotten one yet. Uh, I feel like, you know, when the committee's looking at it, I feel like they might take a deeper look into that and think like, oh, you know, Xavier has them. Xavier has their number. Let's see them higher. Let's, let's give them the advantage here. So if we can take Xavier here, uh, I feel like that changes a lot. So I'm looking at just the rankings, right? I'm, and I'm basing this off of rankings. When I look at, like, if you look at the Big 12, you have Baylor, you have Texas, and you have Kansas State. Kansas State's 11th. Everybody else is in the top 10. Like, only one of those teams can win their particular conference. So you definitely have two losses from those particular teams. Um, and if UConn beats Marquette, you know, that's another top 10 team. I'm looking at, basically, if UConn can get into, like, that top eight, right? There, there, there are a lot of ways that they could possibly be a number two seed especially if they win the way they sh they should be winning you know when they beat a team by 10 or 15 points uh a, a, a quality team it, that 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 is a strong possibility especially if they win the tournament yeah absolutely all right and i think that'll just about do here episode 30 of how about the muskies we previewed the entire biggies tournament i'm pretty sure this is definitely our longest episode we've ever done but it was <laughs> yeah. fun for all of us involved it's going to be a very fun tournament as well. So if you guys are headed to MSG, be loud. It's going to be, we're going to need it. Obviously, UConn, uh, St. John's is the closest proximity team, but UConn, their fans are going to show out the most. But yeah, Darren, we thank you for joining us. It's late. We we went longer than expected, but this is very fun. Hopefully we can reconnect at some point in the off season, have you on again. This was a pleasure having you. And yeah. Absolutely. Appreciate you guys. For the viewers, thanks for listening and watching. And our next episode, I'm not sure if we're going to do any during the Big East tournament. Maybe maybe if we win it all, we'll do an emergency episode or if a tough loss, emergency episode, something like that. But hope bank on our next episode being after we find out who we're playing in the NCAA tournament after Selection Sunday. So, yeah, thanks for watching. <laughs>